Well, hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live. We come at you this and every Saturday at this time. I'm actually uh, not in my usual studio in uh, just near Wheaton College. I serve as the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. So that's pretty much where I broadcast most of the time, sometimes downtown Chicago. But today... I'm actually with Converge Worldwide. It's a uh, network of churches, and I'm doing their Rocky Mountain District meeting, staying over to preach in Orchard Church. As a matter of fact, if you're in the Denver area, you want to come visit with us. Orchard Church in uh, Brighton is where I'll be uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning. But uh, they graciously allowed me to bring my equipment and broadcast right here. And my guest is at the other side of the country in uh, one of my favorite places in, in New York City. And I'm going to introduce him in just a moment. But let me remind you, as always, that you can listen to this uh, this episode and every episode. Well, you can listen live as you are at this time right now. But also keep in mind that you can do so through the podcast. You can actually subscribe to the podcast and then you can listen. You know, we've all heard the word asynchronously in the last two years. You can listen whenever you want to. So uh, my guest today is someone I've really appreciated, uh, uh, both his uh, writing. I've heard him speak. We've uh, shaken hands once a decade ago. But I also follow him on social media. And his name is uh, Anthony Bradley. Dr. Bradley is a professor of religious studies and the director of the study of human flourishing at King's College. He's also a research fellow at the Acton Institute. Dr. Bradley studies and writes on issues of race in America, mass incarceration, overcriminalization, youth and family, welfare, education, and ethics. And we're going to talk today particularly about an issue that he's been talking about around, um, well, masculinity. And, you know, when people hear this, they say, well, what, what do we mean by that? We've got to define this. We've got to talk about this. So people have concerns about this. People have seen this misused, yet at the same time, boy, just watching, for example, the war in Ukraine, where we've seen heroism on display, and we've seen people who maybe six months ago would be just anti any, you know, depiction of such masculinity, saying, no, that's a good thing. So people are like, well, how do we think about these things? And here's the great thing. We're going to have a conversation with someone who thinks a lot about this and I think does so well. Again, uh, Anthony Bradley is our guest. And let me just say, hey, thanks so much for joining us on the program today, Anthony. Thanks for having me, Ed. Good deal. Good deal. Well, let's jump into with some questions. A um, couple of questions I think will help us first. So data, and we're using the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center, shows us that male students now make up a smaller share of enrolled student in the U.S. than ever before. Just 41% of students enrolled in post-secondary education in 2020 were men. What's going on? Why the drop? So what we're seeing basically is that boys are are – beginning to drop out of school in general. So there are less and less boys who are, who are graduating high school. We're seeing the K-12 space be a space where boys are checking out of their education. Uh, and most schools, and this also includes Christian schools, most schools are really designed and programmed and structured for girls. We are responding to what happened with respect to, to women being marginalized. And I think we overcorrected and we left a lot of boys behind. And so the interest in education begins to tail off around middle school. And that's when we, we, we begin to see boys lose interest in education. So by the time they get to college, they really are, are not that interested in, in studying. And so if you're at a liberal arts college, it's probably going to be 65 to 70 percent uh, a female. If you are at a college that has STEM majors, science, technology, engineering, math majors, you might have more equity, but even at the larger state research schools, for example, it's it's right now moving towards 60 to 65% female enrollment. 
And and you mentioned historic inequities where it was more the other way, and then you said it was overcorrected. Help uh, explain a little more about that. Why why was that? What did it look like historically, and what did that overcorrection look like? Yeah, I mean, if you go all the way back to the mid to late nineteenth century, you know, most most education, especially at the college level, uh, you had you had girls' colleges, uh, excuse me, uh, women's colleges. You had colleges. Uh, for men, there was a lot of, of of discrimination with respect to to women. We had the women's suffrage movement, for example. We had the rise in that sort of first wave of, of feminism. I mean, I mean, I mean, think about it this way: Columbia University here in New York became co-ed ed in 1984. So think about that: well, I Columbia didn't, I didn't University that. here in New York yeah. became co-ed yeah. in 1984 across the street was Barnard College, which was and still is a college for women. And so you had these sort of structural uh, uh, separations between boys' education and women's education, and most of the emphasis was on, on forming and shaping men to lead and, and to participate in the marketplace. Because at that time, at that time, if you think about the, the mid to late 19th century through World Wars one and two, we really needed men's physical bodies, right? Our, our, our economy uh, was, was really dependent not just on men's minds, but on their bodies. Now, as we move away from that into an economy that is really more uh, 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 run by and, and adjudicated in terms of the ways in which our, our current marketplace is is economized by the mind guess what we don't need anymore men's bodies and so and so men right now really struggling to see where they fit in because the way our economy works because of technology we don't need men's physical strength and so as we sort of move as we moved away from needing men's physical strength in in the economy they really struggle to see what the point of their education was and what's happening even in the trades is that men are also dropping out of the trades. And so it's not, it's not just that they're dropping out of, of education, they're also dropping out of, of trades as well. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so um, you've talked about some of these issues and the need to call men to a different kind of masculinity. I want to get to the positive vision that you have, but I think partly we have to sort of answer some of the questions that people will ask because we've, we've seen people say you know we're going to we're going to value masculinity we're going to we're going to man up and and we've seen it be well used in ways that are destructive we've seen it used in ways that are kind of productive we see people i mean even today people i see online people praising putin's manhood and more and it's 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 yet yet we're seeing people die because of this desire to do whatever he's doing uh, you know, whatever is coming from in his own psyche. So how do we deal with the toxic max masculinity question? How do we deal with the concerns about misused masculinity, the, the inability of women to step into certain places and more? And then I want to get to the positive vision. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that entire conversation is, is really characterized by looking at the ways in which men have done really terrible things uh, and, and some of the ways in which we, we, see, we see patterns of that. Right. It's sort of taking the worst that we see men doing in society historically and then defining and reducing masculinity to that instead of maybe flipping it and thinking about the things that men do well. 
and, and framing masculinity in, ter- in terms of that. Now, candidly and truthfully, because the fall happened, right, uh, there's a whole history of, of human history of men doing really, really terrible things. But what's been unfair is to reduce all that masculinity is and has been to those abuses. And and we, we we've really we've really discouraged and berated and, and undermined the self-confidence of a lot of men that they actually can make a positive difference because we frame and we vilify not just toxic masculinity, but masculinity in general. Right. And so as, as we as we continue to frame men in terms of being as as. Helen Smith says perverts and wimps and jerks, you know, good for nothing, deadbeats, et cetera. If that's the message, right? Think about it. If that's the message that this is what it means to be a man, this is all that masculinity is, well then why would be why would we be surprised that boys and, and young men act like that? Yeah. I mean, that's all that's all we reduce masculinity to. Instead of saying what it means to be a man are the sorts of things that we see, for example, and read in Philippians four verse eight right whatever is good and 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 true you know trustworthy i mean those those are the things that that also constitute what it means to be a man so if we focus just on the negative things that's what you're going to get and i the the one the one illustration that i that i often use for this if if anyone's ever played golf and you're and you're on the tee and you see a, a a water hazard in front of you and you're about to swing and you're swinging and you're thinking, don't hit the water hazard, don't hit it, don't hit it, don't hit the ball in the water hazard. Guess what happens? You hit the ball in the water hazard because that's what you're focused on. And that's one of the things that, that we've, we've done. We, we've defined masculinity and, and often framed what it means to be a man in terms of those negative attributes. And so what we've done with boys, which has been so tragic and so harmful, is that we see them as nothing but potentially toxic and so we frame their education uh, we frame their nurture in terms of keeping them from being as dangerous as we think they potentially could be instead of thinking about it in terms of these are our boys and young men who have great capacity as 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 individuals made in god's image to do amazing things and what we want to do with them is unlock and release that hmm Fascinating. We're talking to Dr. Anthony Bradley. We're talking about issues of of masculinity, uh, heroic masculinity, as part of the conversation that we're having today. We're going to continue the conversation in just a moment with your calls as well. Maybe you have questions or comments about, well, maybe your question is, what does it look like to live out heroic masculinity? Maybe you're raising sons and have questions about how that might play out there. Our number is 877-548-3675. Again, talking to Anthony Bradley. He's at King's in New York City. 877-548-3675. Give us a call. Let's talk what it means to be heroic and masculine. As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary, but the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at moodypublishers.com.
Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live. I'm talking to Dr. Anthony Bradley. He's a professor of religious studies and the director of the Center for the Study of Human Flourishing at the King's College, which just this week, I was, I was not this week, last month, I was talking to the uh, president of King's College. We were actually at a reception after a concert, anyway, and he asked me uh, a fun fact that I don't know if we've ever said this publicly, so let me share a fun fact about King's College. So in 1948, uh, Billy Graham was ordered, uh, was given an honorary doctorate. He was given that year an honorary doctorate from two schools, and uh, one of them was Bob Jones University, and the other one was King's College. And the question we had was, who was first? And the reason is, is that there's a certain sense you could say, you know, we gave the first honorary doctorate to Billy Graham, 1948. So this is a long time ago. So I actually reached out uh, and got the helpful information from the folks at Bob Jones University. who were super helpful. Got the dates. And so fun fact, uh, Anthony Bradley, King's College gave the first honorary doctorate to Billy Graham. And uh, he always had a relationship and appreciation for uh, for King's College, and we're thankful for, you know, we're both serving higher education. I'm super thankful for the continued work that you and others are doing there in in New York. I grew up in New York, just outside of New York City, so cheering you on. Uh, so thankful for Anthony Bradley. So, uh, so back to our topic at hand. Men are um, less likely to graduate high school or college than women, which is, I mean, these are just numerical facts. What does this mean? I mean, give us some meaning behind this statistic. What's going on? One of the things I, I tell parents is if you have a daughter, you should be afraid. You should be really nervous about this because this, this has severe implications for marriage. Uh, when, when, we, when we think about the types of partners that women tend to seek when they have education, when they're strong, right, they want men who are, who are comparable. And, and having, had, having men lag behind like this really does speak to some of the challenges that we're, that we're likely to see with respect to marriage. And, and Brad Wilcox at, at UVA has done some great work on that, on that question. You know, but there, there are some, some larger issues as we think about the economy in general. Uh, if, if you think about the, the prime age work participation rate for men has, has decreased uh, 4% in, in, in the last few years, and that's, that's pretty huge because we're talking about 3 million men aged 25 to 54 who are sitting around doing nothing. And so, and so there are implications for marriage. There, there, there are implications with respect to men who are just sitting around doing nothing, being idle. And that, and that sort of, of, of context really does poorly with respect to high, higher rates of addiction, uh, higher suicide rates, a higher rates of criminality, high rates of, of, of violence and, and incarceration. So having men drop out of both education and drop out of the economy really is going to put stresses on the future of marriage and family in this country. It's going to put a lot of stress on our ability to sustain an economy. And, and it's also going to, to increase the likelihood that uh, addictions will rise, suicide will rise, but also, sadly, even even in, in terms of that, we'll, we'll see a greater increase in incarceration and violence and criminal deviance. Yeah, and, and so, and I want to come to some of the solutions that are there, but one of the things that I think people would be, even maybe some responding in their head is, okay, if we focus on this, 
what does this mean for opportunities for women who we hear, you know, make less per the same job? You know, we, we hear the percentage and fractions and all that sort of stuff. And people would say, you know, I'm the father of three daughters, right? So I, I, don't, uh, I don't have sons that I'm raising. I want my daughters to have great opportunities as well. Um, how do we address both of these issues? And then just so our listeners know, we're going to go down the path of the conversation over heroic masculinity. But I think this is a question that many of us would ask is, what does this mean? If we have this conversation, if we acknowledge these facts and look to solutions for them, what does it mean for the opportunities for women as well? I think it's important not to see this as a zero-sum game. I think I think everyone can can succeed and and do well. It's not like if we promote the flourishing of men that women automatically lose. I mean, I think we need to continue what we've always done, and 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 are learning to do in this country, which is to promote the best interests of everyone's thriving. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the data, if you, if you look at the trends right now, um, women are going to be making more than men for the next two or three decades. I mean, that that mm -hmm. that data point in terms of the income disparity is really about the past and in, in, in fairness, maybe about the present. But that's not going to be the future. And and we know this because of the education trends. And so if if we can think about it in terms of how can we set men and women up to both thrive and do well mm -hmm. and succeed and make wonderful contributions to marriage and family and their communities. We don't really need to play this as a gender war, right? I mean, everybody benefits when men do well and when women do well, because when, when men do well and when women do well, when marriage does well, when children do well, when families do well, the entire society does well. And so in, in my estimation, we need to think it. We need to think about it more in terms of, of that. Yeah, and of course, you lead the Center for the Study of Human Flourishing at King's College, so it's human flourishing and working towards flourishing of women and men. We we are the same at Wheaton College, Moody Radio, and all these different conversations. So let's let's talk now then some about heroic masculinity and uh, what does this mean uh, for us? What are some paths forward? Because more men are reporting feeling lonely. Uh, more men are isolated. A recent survey conducted by the Suicide Prevention Resource Center and the Harvard Injury Control Center found that 88% of young adults who died uh, by suicide were men. Uh, so, I mean, people have talked about a mental health crisis for men, and men don't tend to get help or tend to get help at a lower level. So what's going on when it comes to mental health? And then, if you wouldn't mind, start walking towards some of those solutions. So I think one of the negative consequences of the the emphasis on on girls and women to correct some of the abuses and deprivations of, of the past is that that men really do feel like many men really feel like they aren't they aren't needed and what's been really tragic is to see that suicide has become the second leading cause of death for men Boys and men, age age fifteen to to twenty four, accidents. Uh, by the way, is is number one, uh, mm -hmm. and so and so you have this this sort of uh, unfortunate situation where where men don't know why they're needed. Uh, people aren't aren't inviting them to be to be heroic, and and by that I mean using your power and your presence for the benefit of others right so you're, you're using everything that god has given you so that you can benefit others and that requires sacrifice requires service and the message that young men need to hear today boys and men need to hear right now is that we need them 
the church needs them. Their local communities need them. Their schools need them. Our society needs them. The marketplace needs them. We actually need you. We need you to bring your best because, because we need you to participate in making everything that's bad good. You can think about it in terms of, of being salt and light, right? We, we, we actually need you. And, and if you talk to young men today, many of them are lost. They just don't know where they fit in and they don't know why they're needed. And we have to continue to begin to recruit and, and, and frame their existence in terms of the contributions that they can make. They have agency, they have efficacy, they can make a difference, and we need them to really press up against everything that's destroying society, everything that, that's making this world the sort of place that God doesn't want it to be. But we need to call men into that, right? You recruit them out, speak words of encouragement and, and life into boys and men to see that they have a role to play and everything that God wants for this world, both now and in the future. Yeah, so good. So we're talking to Anthony Bradley. Let me again invite your calls. We're gonna, I'm going to ask him to define in just a minute heroic masculinity, what that looks like, how that's lived out. But maybe this is a question you have. Maybe you're uh, struggling with what does it mean as a man to step into the space and the place that God has called you to be heroic, to exercise that masculinity. Maybe uh, maybe you're raising sons and have some questions you want to ask. I mean, you're, this, you're not going to get a lot of opportunity to talk to an expert like Anthony Bradley. I want to invite you to call 877-548-3675. Maybe you, your wife has got some questions on what this might look like. Maybe you're a husband. Maybe you're single. Um, 877-548-3675 is our number uh, to join the conversation with Dr. Anthony Bradley at the King's College. Okay, so talk to us. And I should say, we've got a link uh, at edstetzerlive.com to take you to the heroic masculinity, uh, well, your site, I guess, is the what you call it. And uh, and there's all kinds of, and uh, you have to explain the fraternity thing, because I've been following you online and reading some of the stuff about the fraternity thing, which I found super fascinating. Uh, but first, define for us heroic masculinity a little more. What do you mean by it? Yeah, so it's um, it's it's a, a variation on on a theme that I got from a Jeffrey Himmer. He's a pastor in in Illinois. He has a great book called Man Up, which is one of the best books I've read. Recently published on, on what it means to be a man and what it means to be a a godly man. Uh, Jeffrey Himmer frames masculinity in terms of of using the the power that God the, the natural power that God gave you for the for the benefit of those those around you, and and one of the things that I'm I'm doing with with heroic masculinity is is expanding that and and really talking about the idea that your your strength and your power and your presence like your physical presence should benefit other people. It's a, it's a variation on the theme of loving your neighbor, but, but, but the idea is that you are there to be a blessing to other people's lives. And that when you, insofar as you experience and exercise what it means to be a man that, that God has made as a blessing to others, you will be blessed as well. There's, there's some reciprocity there. And so we want to encourage guys to be to sort of use their creativity to imagine what it looks like to be a blessing wherever they are. Now, if you're seven years old, you can think about that in the classroom, on the soccer field, with your siblings, with your parents. If you're 27 years old, you can think about that in terms of same thing, right? Your parents, your siblings, your cousins at work, at church. If you're 65 years old, what does it mean to be a blessing to others 
when you're in that that season of being a sage, right? I mean, one of the things that we're seeing right now is a massive gap in the church. You have a lot of, of undisciples young men and a lot of men who have time to do it, but the men that have time to do it are playing golf and taking long vacations in Arizona and Florida, and the guys who are sitting at home who need discipleship and mentorship have no one around. So those are some of the tensions that, that we see. And so, and so heroic masculinity wants to call everybody out so that we can can nurture and mature and disciple and mentor and form one another because God has great things for men to do in both both society but also in the in the work of the church. Very good, very helpful. Let's let's go to some calls. We're going to go to Linda in Lewisburg, Tennessee, off of sixty five, if I recall, south of Nashville. And uh, I've stopped there a couple of times in the journey. Uh, Linda, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Uh, I was wondering. Uh, with regards to the isolation of young men uh, these days, where do video games and the prevalence of pornography fit in to where they isolate themselves? Yeah, yeah that's a good question. Good question. Anthony, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor because we're, we're coming to the bottom of the hour, and I want to give you time to kind of address this question. It's a super question from Linda as well. Let me invite uh, others to call in as well. We'll, uh, we'll take a pause, come back in just a second, and continue our conversation. But our phone number here is 877-548-3675. When we come back, uh, Dr. Anthony Bradley is going to deal with the issues of, well, from video games to pornography, how they impact uh, men, where that might redirect, and more. Again, our number is 877-548-3675. We're talking to Dr. Anthony Bradley. Uh, He's a professor of religious studies and the director of the Center for the Study of Human Flourishing at King's College. And let me just mention, as you know, we're... Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute, so we're an academic institution. So is King's College. I work at Wheaton College. We're deeply thankful for gospel partners like King's College, and I want to encourage you to go to edstetzerlive.com and see more information about Anthony Bradley there. And remember, your calls, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. Our guest today is Dr. Anthony Bradley. Uh, you can find all of the links to his resources, social media profile, and more um, is, uh, is 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 available at stetzerlive.com. So, um, just for the just for the break at the bottom of the hour, that's a hard break, so couldn't move that around a little bit. So, um, Linda was asking, uh, what about the impact on? I guess could say young men, but I think she said men in general about video games, pornography, and some of those things that have become isolating. Tell us about what you've seen the impact on young on men in their lives. This is a fantastic question because it is easy to see the consequences of men who are isolated and checked out. The question we need to ask is not so much what's the impact of these platforms and these consumption patterns on men, but why are they going there in the first place? That's the question because Mm. there's a reason, there's a reason they're drawn to those, those, consumption patterns in the first place there's a reason guys are sitting at home playing video games for two to three four hours a day there's a reason that pornography draws them in and one of the things that that i i want to be clear on a distinction that when you see a young man playing a video game don't don't confuse that with being lazy what what that actually is in many cases is is resignation he's resigned he's basically checked out and he's 
and he goes to video games to enter into another universe where he can have purpose and be a hero because this current this current world is 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 one he's he's put his hand up and, and pledged allegiance to not participating in it's it's actually resignation and, and why are these guys resigned why is why have they checked out why does why does why is it that these platforms draw them in again we need to remember that that children are born in a world of of insecurity and uncertainty and if we're not speaking life if we're not building confidence if we're not giving them a sense of, of an imagination for why they matter and how they matter if children grow up in homes where parents are are too into themselves in fact they're they're so into themselves that their their homes are often dominating and overprotective and intimidating and erratic and overindulgent and hypocritical and painful i mean those are the sorts of things that that encourage boys to check out and when a boy checks out the internet is there to receive him and so it's a resignation problem, and we need to be asking the question, why is it that men and boys are resigning, and how can we keep them from checking out of the institutions and structures and relationships that we need them to participate in so that everybody can do well? And, and when we have an entire generation of, of, of boys who, who have resigned and www.youcanresignhere.com says, we will allow you a space, a universe where you have, you have dignity and significance and meaning and purpose. Although, right, we know it's a fiction. They're going to go to that. And, and this is why I said it's so important. It's just really, really important for us to go grab those young men out of the basement to grab to sort of get them off the controller and have some men build them up to give them confidence we're having a a crisis of self-confidence i can't tell you how many colleges i travel to in christian colleges in particular where you see swabs of young men walking around and they don't have the confidence that that god says they should have right First John two fourteen, uh, you have overcome the evil one, right? You are strong. You've overcome the evil one. The word of God is in you. I mean, Christian men who are eighteen years old, raised in the church, raised in Christian family, should be the absolute most confident men in America. And here's a fact. Here's a fact, Ed. It takes self confidence to do the right thing. It takes mm. self confidence to be moral. It takes. It takes self-confidence to do what the Bible says. And why is that? Because you have to be ready to deal with and embrace the consequences of righteousness and holiness, which is not fun. It is not easy. And if we are not building up young men's self-confidence, if we are, we are instilling in them 1 John 2.14, we should never be surprised that they are drawn to, to video games and pornography and, and binge drinking and drugs and, and, and all of the things that allow them to resign. We have to give them context where they can grow and thrive and be encouraged and draw them out because the enemy is going to tell them that they are worthless, they're pathetic, and they're useless, and they need adults, hmm. not peers. They need adults to tell them that God says that you have meaning and you, and you have purpose and, and, and that you, you matter for the good.
Hmm. So good. So good. Let's go to Al in Lovington, Illinois. Al, you're on the air with your question or your comment. Uh, yes, I need to turn this down. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Uh, I'm a 71-year-old retired pastor, and I still have a youth group, and I substitute teach. And uh, what Dr. Bradley's talking about has just hit home so hard. And I um, wanted to know, I, I've had some, I'm not sure if it's from the Spirit or not, to do some outreach in a certain type of way, maybe a camp or something. Um, I, I, I would wonder, and I saw, I think I have the book Man Up, but also, uh, does he have a book that he's written uh, that kind of details uh, some of the information he's talking about today? Yeah, let's go through that. And I, I should mention that Anthony Bradley has a lot of books. He's a well-published author. Uh, what, what's, what, okay. let me ask it this way. What space might you have, Anthony, where people could read more about this? Are you working on a book on this? I am actually this this hero okay. masculinity is a book project and I'm sort of in yep. the, in the middle of it right now and I'm traveling around to different colleges talking to college students about it about, about the topic. And so yeah, I mean I mentioned in, too so but let me mention too we've listed all your books there at edstetzerlive.com so you can actually see I mean again Anthony Bradley is a scholar who's written widely on a lot of topics but so right now this book's not done so what are some resources you'd recommend if people want to dig in on heroic masculinity? Fantastic question. So I have a, a short list of, of, of books that are really helpful. The Man Up book by, by Jeffrey Hemmer is, is really, really outstanding because it, it really lays out almost everything that I'm, I'm talking about uh, today. Uh, there's a, a fantastic book on the history of the muscular Christianity movement which really speaks to the fact that this is not the first rodeo, unfortunately, that we've had on these issues. About a, about a century and a half ago or so, and a quarter ago, around the late 1800s, early 1900s, we were actually facing the exact same thing. And so the church has really struggled and wrestled with, with those sorts of things. And I, I think, I think it's, it's really, really important to, to, to recognize that the church has cycled with struggling with what to do, particularly with boys, and, and young men. Those two books, I think, are just great places to start uh, if you want to dig a little deeper on this topic. And also, too, go to, uh, if you go to edsessorlive.com, we link to heroicmasculinityusa.com, which has more resources there. And, and tell me about this fraternity thing, um, because the part that, I mean, I've read the stuff all at the website, and uh, it, it's a it's an odd connection to people who don't understand what you're doing. But if you follow, and you should follow Anthony Bradley on social media, you'll see a lot of references to fraternities. How does that relate? So when we were having that discussion earlier about toxic masculinity, it's often, you know, exhibit A, enemy number one are college fraternities. And so as I thought about it, and, and as you do the research, and as I, as I noticed, there's almost every week in America, a college fraternity gets suspended. And hmm. what's happening? What's happening? They're getting suspended for reckless behavior almost, almost always. It's hazing. It's alcohol abuse. It is sexual assault. There's racism stuff there. There's also a lot of property damage, but I, I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, an 18 or 19 or 20-year-old breaking something is kind of normal. Uh, and so in that sense, that, that's, the, that's the one... Of, of the group I'm not too concerned about. But but what, what, what I've noticed is that we've essentially given up on them. And so what, what we want is for young men to be less bad. 
And I wanted to do something crazy, absolutely crazy, is speak to fraternity directly and invite them to be virtuous and to be heroic. Because I know that they all want to be great men, but they often don't know how. And no one's giving them any guidance. They just want them to go away and be and be less bad. And one of the things that that I've, I've noticed as I've done more of these of these interviews is that campus after campus after campus, Christian men rise to leadership quickly. If you look at the Kappa Alpha fraternity at the University of Arkansas, a sophomore by the name of Connor Kilgore went from being a freshman to the president. He is a strong believer in Jesus Christ and wants to use the gospel and mission to change his fraternity culture. Joe Hewitt at the Fight Out fraternity, Arkansas, same thing. He's a senior. He's a Christian. So it's interesting that, that Christian young men with the type of self-confidence that I'm talking about join fraternities. They, they don't waver or compromise their convictions. And then the fraternity says, will you be our president? That's a trend that people don't know about. It's actually, I didn't expect to see it either. But as, as I was sort of thinking about what's the one population that if, if this model of, of heroic masculinity can be successful, it could really make a massive difference in the country because of the kinds of places that fraternity men end up. About 85% of Fortune 500 executives uh, were, were Greek and in, in college. About 76% of people in, in Congress were Greek. Every vice president since 1825 in this country uh, was, was, a, was, was in a fraternity. And so this population is a population of men who actually have a lot of influence and power in the future. And if we can turn the fraternity culture around, we are going to turn masculinity around in America. And I wanted to do something crazy, because hmm. why not? And, and address a community that, that people just assume is nothing but toxic, and it's just not true. Fascinating, fascinating. We're, okay, we're having a conversation with Anthony Bradley, which we're going to continue in just a moment. You can go to heroic, heroicmasculinityusa.com for information there. Of course, he's at King's College, where he's director of the Center for the Study of Human Flourishing at King's College. We've got one more time for your calls, 877-548-3675. Got some we're going to jump to right in just a moment when we come back. But again, your calls are welcome. 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Um, I love talking to interesting people. And one of the privileges I have here at Ed Setzer Live is uh, I'll get interested in something someone's writing about or talking about. And so I actually... Um, went to, uh, followed a link through Anthony Bradley's uh, Twitter. He is not a subtle man on Twitter, by the way. So you can watch and follow along. He's, he's got uh, strong opinions. He's actually had strong critical opinions of Ed Stetzer on a couple of occasions, which, I, which I, I'm not bitter about, but I remember. But I like how he sort of like calls it as it is. And so I wanted to have this conversation because I think a lot of people are nervous about having this conversation. And, and, and yet, I mean, men are struggling and we see it uh, all around us, and we need some answers, some solutions, and some paths forward. And that leads to a call from Nancy in Gary, Indiana. Nancy, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Yeah, um, 
I just wondered, as women, what can we do to encourage men to be all that they are? Um, I see men, even in church especially, they've checked out spiritually, and it seems like even in church the women are more dominant. But just overall, what can what can we do without giving the wrong impression, but just still encourage them? It's a good question. It's a good question, Nancy. What do you think, Anthony? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Nancy. I get that question every time I talk about this. And and we, we need we need to think about it additionally in terms of the, of a community is needed to raise men and boys to be whatever it is that God has made them to be and destined and called them to be. And and women have a really, really important role in helping men create spaces and opportunities to be encouraged and to be to be given challenges and opportunities to test out what it means for them to be the kind of men that God wants them to be. And that, and that involves, uh, uh, for example, uh, in terms of the home, right, creating a place of, of warmth, but also a place of healthy friction. And here's what I mean by healthy friction. The boy needs to know that he is not the center of the universe. And, and, one of the things that, that we've seen often are, are boys that are coddled by their parents inadvertently. Uh, your sweet little baby needs to know that, that, that your marriage to your husband matters way more than, than, than your children. You got to put your marriage before your children. And, 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 and moms have an incredible role to play in helping their sons grow and mature and and learn the sorts of things on the one hand that encourage them to be what they need to be for women but on the other hand they have a great role to play in helping them see that they're not the center of the universe and to create that healthy fiction where they have to grow and and create opportunities for sacrifice and and other centeredness with with others uh, for women, in terms of in terms of marriage, this is where it gets really, really tense because you have to provide opportunities for men to own their responsibilities, right? And and to and to encourage your husbands to take responsibility for the things that they're responsible for, and not to uh, preemptively act. You you, you got You got to let the men take responsibility. And that can be tough when you, when stuff needs to get done and that creates all sorts of tensions, but those sorts of, of, of opportunities for communication are ways to actually encourage and say, Hey, I need you to be this or that. I, I, I believe in you. I, I love you. I care about you. You have such an important role to play in this home and with our children. And that, that platform, that, context of, of constant encouragement and building up which is mutual right men build up their 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 wives men build up their children moms build up their children children actually build up their parents i mean that that sort of mutuality really does create a space where everybody grows together and 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 women have such an important role in creating the spaces and, and context for everyone everyone to thrive you know, I was raised by a single mom and who, you know, a lot of the things you described, those opportunity to encouragement, pushing me out of the nest. Some of that was just because of necessity. We didn't have the resources anymore. But she was a strong, bold woman, is a strong, bold woman that continues to just impress me with her bravery and her strength and more, but also pressed me into 
making something, doing something, being a part of something that really changed uh, my life. And so we, we, and now I'm passing on to my daughters some of that vision and passion for engaging the world around us and, and more. Um, when you kind of look at some of these issues today, a lot of our listeners are, they, they, they want to, to empower and encourage uh, boys, young men and men to be who God has called them to be, but they're unsure about doing so in an age where that is going to be perceived as uh, sexist or more. How do we walk through that in a way that that uh, that we that we we value the things that the scriptures value that young men need and more in a culture that may be anti some of those ideas? That's a fantastic question. You know, in in Hebrews, a couple times in Hebrews, we're, we're encouraged to encourage each other. Right, uh, that word means to put courage into someone's heart. That word courage, it's a sort of love with your whole heart. And what I often find, and this is this this is something that's in the the, the subculture of, of a lot of youth ministry, is not is not encouraging, but rebuke and discipline and control. Mm-hmm. And and boys need to be encouraged. They need someone to put courage in them to be what God has has called them to be. And again, it's not a zero sum game. Women need that as well. And so we're encouraging, right, speaking truth and love, spurring one another on to good deeds, right, or righteousness, right? I mean, if, if we're doing those sorts of things, that's how we address this. I mean, if, if there's one thing that I could, I could tell our parents and, and grandparents and uncles and cousins to think about is that when you see a boy, when you see a young man in middle school and high school and college, encourage him. He needs mm-hmm. to be encouraged, uh, most most likely, especially in our, in our context, he's being told the messages that he's being given is that he's worthless. And this is the way the enemy has really undermined men's confidence. And we need to, to radically do something different and speak life and truth and love so they can be free to be what the Bible says that God has made them to be. Anthony Bradley, we need you to finish that book, um, but also we can, you find all the links and links to all of Anthony's books uh, at edstetzerlive.com. And he's a has a vast array of resources that I think you'll find helpful. I have found helpful over the years as well. So thanks to Anthony Bradley for joining me today. Also, thanks to the behind the scenes team here at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, engineer, Courtney Young, and Eric Tidwell. Uh, as always, man in the phones. Uh, next week, I'm going to sit down with uh, Baylor University professor George Yancey to talk about how to have conversations about race that bring us together and not divide us, uh, which is a tricky thing, a reality that we're all walking through in this day. Today, here to hear today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. All of our programs, you can subscribe to as podcasts. We want you to listen. We don't always necessarily care that you listen this time. Uh, you can also connect with us through social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, it's all at Ed Stetzer Live. Remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.